welcome to Your Future Starts Now, the go-to podcast for extraordinary women who are ready to step into their next chapter with authentic confidence. I'm your host, Gia Lakwa, empowerment coach, motivational speaker, children's book author, and girl mom. Whether you're a corporate powerhouse or an entrepreneur, this show is designed for you. Your Future Starts Now is more than just a podcast. It's a movement, a movement towards rewriting the rules of success for high-achieving women. Are you ready to get unstuck and step into your next chapter? If so, you're exactly where you need to be. Your future starts now. Welcome to Your Future Starts Now. I'm your host, Gia Lacqua. Thanks for tuning in today. I am so excited to introduce you to Erin Russell. Erin is currently a medical student at Hackensack Meridian School of Medicine. Before returning to school, Erin served as the Chief Operating Officer of Curio Digital Therapeutics, leading commercialization of products to improve women's behavioral and mental health. She's the previous founder and CEO of Health Grizzly, a digital healthcare navigation platform, and Spotlight, a venture focused on patient education and engagement in dermatology and medical aesthetics. In addition to her entrepreneurial experience, Erin has commercial experience building teams and launching products at Merck, Shearing Plow, and Allergan. Wow, that was a mouthful. Erin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So Erin, you went from digital health and health tech to pursuing a medical degree. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and, and your journey? Absolutely. I, um, as I was hearing you kind of talk through everything in my background, I felt like, wow, I've actually, I've done a lot <laughs> and a lot of different things. Uh, it was a big change, uh, you know, making the decision to kind of leave digital health, uh, to leave a, a, a great career, to leave a great job and company that I was really enjoying uh, to then go back and kind of restart and reboot my career and, and go to medical school was a, it was a big decision. Um, one I definitely did not take lightly. Uh, but I did that because, uh, you know, as I was working throughout my career, you know, I started in pharma, then went into digital health. I had a chance to work more and more closely with patients. Uh, with my last digital health venture, I was, it was a care navigation uh, startup and I was, literally connecting patients directly with healthcare options. And what I found was, is I had more and more of that direct patient interaction. It was, it was just so fulfilling and rewarding. And uh, something I like to do is kind of take stock of what really drives me and fulfills me on a regular basis. I try to do it about twice a year. Uh, and I realized that all of the things that were really fulfilling me and that were really driving me um, were related to those direct patient interactions. And I wanted more of that. And so I decided I wanted to go to medical school to do just that, to go into clinical practice and uh, to be able to really help patients directly. Wow. That's incredible. I love the fact that you said you regularly take inventory, like you said, twice a year of what fulfills you. I think that's so powerful. Some of us don't take the time to do that enough or at all. So, you know, the fact that you're able to kind of step back and reflect on what's actually fueling me, what's energizing me, what's driving that passion and the purpose is so incredible. I'd love to know if you rewind back to when you made that decision. I would love to know what was going through your mind when you were making that decision to leave the corporate world to pursue your medical degree. A lot of things. <laughs> it was scary. I mean, I think, you know, yes. anytime someone makes a change like that, uh, 
you know, the first thing to really recognize is that it can be really scary. Sure. Uh, it is, it is definitely something to consider. I thought about it for a while. Uh, the other things that were kind of going through my mind were like, where do I really want to be? What do I really want to do? Um, it's not just, not just the typical, what makes me happy and what makes me fulfilled. That was a part of it. And that was important. But if I look down, you know, five years, 10 years down the line, what do I want to be doing? And when I actually asked myself that question and thought about it, I wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was pretty clear to me if that's, that was my goal. Um, I just needed to try to make a plan to get there. Now, I definitely went into it thinking, I don't know if I'll be successful, right? Like, I don't know if I'll get into medical school. It's hard to get into medical school, especially after you've been out of school for a while. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of things that I had to do to get myself to the point where I could even apply. Uh, but once I knew what I wanted to do, it was it was pretty clear. I just needed to make a plan and try. And so I did that. It, it worked out. And uh, here I am. That's amazing. Did you always want to be a doctor from when you were a kid or did you just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to go to medical school? (laughs) A lot of people ask me that question. (laughs) I did not always want to be a doctor. I always wanted to work in healthcare Mm -hmm. uh, from the very beginning. And so, uh, you know, when I was an undergrad, I was a chemistry major in undergrad. And and, and when I graduated, I actually made a decision to not go to medical school. I Mm -hmm. didn't apply to medical school at that time. I wanted to go work on the commercial side. I immediately went to work in the pharmaceutical industry because I had this idea of trying to kind of bring the business and medical or business and healthcare worlds together um, in my career. And that's really what I did for, for if you look at the rest of, of my career and the jobs that I've had. Uh, but uh, when I really looked uh, at what I wanted to do now, <laughs> as I was as I was kind of getting those additional experiences, I realized now is the time I really want to be a doctor. And so mm-hmm. I did always want to help patients. I did always want to work in healthcare, but um, I didn't necessarily always want to be a doctor. Um, that was something that kind of came up later as I got to have more and more of those experiences. Wow. What a beautiful part of your journey that you realized that. What do you think was the biggest challenge for you that you had to overcome as you were grappling with this decision? I knew you talked to, touched a little bit on the, the self-doubt, um, you know, was it the self-doubt or was there something else that you really wrestled with? There was certainly some self-doubt. I think, uh, the biggest challenge that I had was just in really kind of, uh, not making the plan, making the plan was very straightforward, but it was really about, uh, bringing other people within my network into the plan. You know, I had a lot of, um, I had, a, I had a lot of supporters as I was kind of going down this path. Uh, but then there were also a lot of people who kind of looked at me like I had kind of sprouted a second head. Like, why would you want to do that? And I even had some people ask me as I told them I was making this decision, going back to medical school. They said, do you know how many years medical school is? <laughs> you know, it's uh, yes, I definitely did. But uh, but the thing is, is uh, if you enjoy the journey and I am enjoying this journey immensely, then, you know, the amount of time it takes to do something really um really doesn't matter because you're enjoying the time while you're actually making that, making that journey. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that you had looked down the road five or 10 years ahead and you had a vision for yourself, right? You had a vision of what you wanted to do, where you wanted to be. And it sounds like that helped influence your decision and sort of was really a a pull or a draw for you. It really was. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And the, the support, the community support is an important aspect to it. And I think one thing that's really hard as we go through transformation and transition in our lives is the people closest to us or the people that we think are our biggest supporters aren't always going to be in favor of the change. It definitely can be true. Um, but, uh, and you're, you're, it's surprising sometimes when you start to talk to people, mm -hmm. um, you know, some people that you don't expect will be very supportive are, yes. right? And then others who you expect would be aren't as supportive. And so, you know, I think that's okay. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think what's important is really trying to talk to people and get those, get a couple of people who can be in your corner, so to speak, right? Because it really is helpful to have that support. Um, because when you're doing something different, when you're making a big change, especially a change that requires a lot of work, right? A lot of things mm -hmm. that had to be done. For me to go to medical school, I had to, I had to take the MCAT. I had some prerequisites I had to finish uh, that I hadn't completed that medical schools were requiring. You know, uh, there was a lot of time and effort that I had to put into even getting to the point where I could apply. Um, and it was helpful. It was really critical to have that support. I certainly could not have done that, you know, just on my own. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and it's people surprise you, right? To your point, sometimes yeah. it goes both ways. Sometimes there's people who are big supporters that you didn't expect and vice versa. But I think it's important to recognize and it's really, you know, for various reasons, but it's really about them. It's not about you, but it's it's just a matter of finding the right people that you have, like you said, to have in your corner and support you in that change and that transformation and the, not the people that are going to hold you back. And sometimes that can be really challenging. I'm curious, Erin, in your prior work, you focused on improving women's behavioral health, mental health. Um, you know, we, our audience is high achieving women. A lot of them have experienced burnout, um, you know, and a lot of other mental health and physical concerns. I'm curious in your experience, what do you see as the key challenges for women today? There are several. Uh, the first is, I think, you know, you brought up um, this aspect of burnout. It, it is real. I think it's real for women and men, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. specifically for women, I think, um, you know, we take a lot on right? Like we we're working, if we're, we're working full-time professionally, we have a lot, we spend a lot of time there. Often we're also managing things at home with our families. Um, we're often doing other things with friends or volunteering, et cetera. There's a lot going on and, uh, and it's very easy to burn out. And so I think for that, that challenge, the biggest thing to do is really to try to be as efficient as possible and to make sure you know, that you're spending time on the right things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one thing that I've always taken to heart, and I've shared this with people throughout my career, the the most valuable thing you're given every single morning is the time that you have during that day. And the decision that you make to spend that time, how you decide to spend that time, whether you're spending that time uh, working, whether you're spending that time answering emails, whether you're spending that time with family or friends or however you choose to spend that time, that is the most, literally the most important decision that you're going to make that day. And you should make that decision in a way that is really prioritizing what's important to you and what you want to do. And, and that will help get you to where you want to go. Uh, and so I think that's something if someone's starting to burn out and I felt it, you know, I've been, you know, stressed out and I felt like I, I have too much going on sometimes when I actually take a moment to really take stock of how am I spending that time? Am I spending it wisely? Am I spending it on the things that I really want to spend it on it, it, it often when I'm feeling that that um, feeling of burnout, 
I'm often not spending my time in the right way Mm -hmm. (laughs) or in the best way. And so making those shifts can sometimes help. Uh, You know, the other big challenge that women have, I would just mention, and uh, this is is so important, is just, it's kind of related to self-doubt, but it's really about advocating for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a, there was an article in the Harvard Business Review just last year where really highlighting that there still is a huge gender gap as it comes to women being promoted at work um, and, and being compensated for their, for their jobs. And, and a big part, and, and it's real. And, and one reason for that could have been, uh, or was hypothesized as being that employers are thinking that women are kind of not wanting to leave, that they're less of a flight risk. I mean, whether that's true or not, you know, the important thing is successful women really need to make sure that they're standing up for themselves, that they're advocating for themselves, that they're taking credit for what they're doing, because often that's not happening and uh, it needs to happen. Uh, And they not only should be advocating for themselves, but, you know, if you're in a more senior position, advocate for others uh, who are junior to you. That's also important. Yeah, it's a great point. I think because we so often, um, if we're not 100% certain or confident in our abilities, we won't go for that next job, the next promotion. Um, sometimes we find that it we don't want to come across as um, arrogant, right? If we right. are self-promoting, but it is a critical aspect of that self-advocacy and making sure that you are seen and you are heard getting the recognition that you deserve and elevating other women who are working with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I just, I think it's to the point where I don't think anyone should be worried about being seen as arrogant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just if you do something like, it's okay. You can tell people that you do it, (laughs) that you did it, you know? Absolutely. The recognition and reward is, is so important. Do you have any advice for, so we we've gone through, I think, you know, over the last couple of years, especially with COVID, I think we, we, and there still is a bit of a hostile culture, right? The mentality of work, work, work. Um, I think there's more recognition now for burnout. I think there's more awareness. I think that people are taking it more seriously, that there are potentially serious health consequences um, beyond just being tired. And so, you know, I'm curious for anybody who is in that grind or stuck in that burnout cycle, any suggestions or advice that you have for them? You have to prioritize self-care. Mm-hmm. So I, I would, my biggest piece of advice is um, do what you need to do to take care of yourself, whether that's finding someone to talk to, whether that's uh, taking time uh, where you're not working and where you're doing something that really kind of um, fulfills you or, or fills your cup, so to speak. Uh, but you really need to prioritize that time for self-care because, uh, you know, it, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> everyone really should be doing that. And in fact, everyone should be doing that even before they get to the point where they're feeling burnout. Absolutely. Uh, mental health, uh, behavioral health, kind of just general wellness. These are all really important concepts and things that everyone should really be thinking of on a regular basis. So, um, and it's about taking the time. Going back to my comment earlier about mm-hmm. choosing how to spend your time it doesn't have to be every day, but it really mm-hmm. within a week there should be some carved out time where you're really at least thinking about that and doing it in a in a very um, thoughtful way. Yeah, 
Great point. The th being thoughtful, being intentional about that time. And just because, you know, yoga and meditation work for somebody else, I can tell you for me, that may not be what self-care looks like, right? I think it's very individualized. It's what fuels you, what helps you to refuel. But it's so easy, you know, as especially as women, we're so hyper-focused on everyone else's needs and all the other priorities that we forget to prioritize ourselves. So making sure we're being intentional about carving out that time um, on a somewhat regular basis for ourselves is is so important. Erin, given your background, I would love to know when you think about the future of women's health, healthcare in general, what challenges or barriers still exist in your opinion? Um, and what role do you believe innovation can play in helping to address some of those challenges? Yeah, so I think, um, first of all, specific to women's health, I would just say access is really important. And yep. being able to access care in a way that kind of fits in within women's busy lives is really critical. Um, and so as it, as it comes to innovations, anything that can help improve that access um, whether that's a financial piece or whether that's just uh, making sure that healthcare is here and now, it's both, I think. Uh, anything that can help advance that is helpful. And so we made a lot of good progress <laughs> in those areas over the last several years. Certainly, I think the COVID pandemic has helped to kind of expedite some of the progress that's been made um, in the acceptance of digital health overall. But then coming out of the pandemic now, we're kind of back in the regular world uh, a lot of that progress, it's not that it was necessarily erased, but a lot of that progress, it's kind of taken a step back. And so um, it, even if it has taken a step back and, um, you know, digital health solutions or some telehealth solutions are less well accepted, they're still very helpful. Mm -hmm. And there, there really is a very important place for those, especially within someone's busy life. Um, and so I think those types of innovations are really going to be critical. And we're going to see that those types of innovations, um, they may evolve somewhat, uh, but that they're going to continue to be very important uh, in the in the coming years. Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest. The other the other thing I would just add specific to women's health is just um, figuring out how to kind of uh, gather everything together across uh, across healthcare, right? And so as you think about healthcare and what am I accessing as a woman, I have a lot of different types of healthcare that I'm mm -hmm. accessing. And I would argue, especially if you uh, still believe, and I, I do believe this, when you look at the data, you can still see it, that women are directing healthcare for their families as, all, as well uh, as themselves. You see a lot of different types of physicians, types of healthcare facilities, pharmacies, sure. et cetera, I mean, if you just make a list of all the different office numbers that you would have to call or offices you would have to go to, it's pretty significant. And so I think anything that can kind of bring some of that together and just make it more efficient so that women are able to get the things done and kind of get them, get their families the health care that they need in a, in a way that can fit within their lives is, is going to be really important. Because we spend a lot of time still within the U.S. really just trying to get to that health care. Mm-hmm. So interesting. It's a great point. Is there anything that women can do individually or do you see that as more of a systemic issue? I think it's mainly systemic, but certainly like as an individual person, you know, you can try to be as organized and efficient as possible. So there are some things that you can do, sure. uh, but ultimately, I, you know, I think uh, there's, there's progress that needs to be made. Um, within the healthcare system. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of healthcare systems that are making that progress actually, and, mm -hmm. and are doing a great job. It's just more at the local level. Uh, and so if you happen to be in one of those areas where you're able to kind of pull it all together, that's great. 
but uh, but a lot of women are not in those areas. And so being able to try to uh, try to get to the point where women have that um, that easy access and are able to kind of um, synthesize it all, if you will, uh, is, I think, going to be really important. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You you touched upon um, also the digital health aspect. I'm curious as to what you anticipate the role of digital health being and how do you see that evolving over time? I mean, digital health is obvious. It's here to stay. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's saying it's not. <laughs> it's um, it's so important. I think that there are a lot of exciting opportunities. There are also a lot of things that are happening or that could happen that you know frighten people. Right? This whole idea of uh, how does AI really fit into healthcare mm-hmm. is a huge. I mean, we could probably talk about that for a long time. Um, and there are a lot of um, very valid concerns about how that can be in- integrated. That being said, there's going to be a way to do it in the right way and uh, in an appropriate way. And we will figure that out. And so I think as I look at the future of digital health, it is going to be really focused uh, primarily, I think, in the next couple of years, uh, still on just increasing that access to healthcare that I was mentioning earlier. But it's also going to be focused, especially on the the research and the discovery side. You know, there are a lot of really exciting things happening right now, really leveraging AI and machine learning to really improve how we're discovering different therapeutics and uh, treatments for very important diseases and even how we identify and help to diagnose individuals earlier. And so uh, there's a lot of that that is that is happening that I think is really exciting for healthcare overall. Yeah, I can't wait to see where that goes. It's funny when you mentioned the AI piece of it. There was a show that I used to watch. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, New Amsterdam. Okay, I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, it's a great series, and there was a, a couple of episodes where they had sort of an AI. It was an iPad that was diagnosing the patients that were coming into the ER. <laughs> it was so fascinating to think. Is that the future? I know, I know. There actually is a digital health company you can diagnose. You can be diagnosed yeah. yourself on the phone. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, um, but uh, it does exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not there yet. Definitely. I mean, there's, I can imagine there's a lot of benefits and upsides, but certainly, I think still a lot of risks and challenges probably that yeah. come along with it as well. Erin, so obviously we talk about redefining success a lot on this podcast. I would love to know from your perspective, how do you define success? And how has that definition evolved for you over time? So for me, success is really about achieving the goals that I set for myself. Um, and it's a very it's a very inward out kind of approach. And what I mean by that is I'm setting, I'm figuring out what I want to do. And those goals can be, you know, as small as making sure I get five runs in a week. I'm a, I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. I really like, enjoy running. And so it can be that. And at the end of the week, I feel really good because I accomplished that goal or it can, it can be as big as trying to get into medical school. Right. Yeah. And so uh, whatever that is, um, I, I definitely, I actively set goals for myself and achieving those goals is, is what gives me that feeling of success and, and kind of moves me forward and towards where I want to be. It's definitely changed. I will tell you, it's probably completely opposite how I used to define success. You know, earlier in my career, coming right out of college, it was more of an outward in approach yeah. for success, right? I was successful as I compared to others. And it started with how other people were doing and then how I was doing compared to them. I don't think in that way anymore. I am I'm definitely still a competitive person, but the way that I really define my own success is how am I doing relative to where I want to go, where mm-hmm. I want to be in the goals I set for myself. 
Absolutely. And what helped you make that shift from the outward into the inward out? I think that, uh, I don't know if it was any one thing in particular. I think it was more about just realizing that uh, I, if I wanted to be successful, I had to start thinking about like what I wanted to do specifically mm -hmm. and not, and, and that that was different, really, really realizing it was different than the others that I was around. Uh, I think as we're all kind of doing the same thing together, let's say we're all in, uh, in college together, we're all kind of doing the same type of a yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but then as we kind of get out, everyone di diverges and people have different goals and they want to do different things. And I think it was just realizing that, uh, that, for me to be successful, for me to feel, feel fulfilled and to be happy um, and really achieve the things that I wanted to achieve, it really had to start from within yeah. more so. Yeah, I think it's an important point. I think, you know, given society, culture that most of us grew up in, um, there's a lot of, especially as women, do as you're told, respecting elders. There's a lot of traditional education where you have to pass a test. And to your point, we're all sort of doing the same things, right? right? And then recognizing that at some point, that's not what's guiding you anymore, right? At some point, it's it's the inner core that's guiding you that you have to get in touch with, right? And reconnect with in order to define what those goals and objectives are for yourself. So that's a really powerful lesson. I would love to know what is next for you. I mean, obviously I see cadaver labs in your future, but what's next for Erin? It's a lot of studying. <laughs> no, look, I'm on, you know, I alluded to it earlier. It's a long journey that I'm on right now, right? Uh, though I'm enjoying every single minute of it. Uh, I'm a first year in medical school, right? So I am going to continue on. We have another year or so of classes. We actually, um, recently finished our gross anatomy lab and I, uh, it was fascinating. So congratulations. So you made it through that part. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was a big, uh, it's a big hurdle if you will. Uh, and so next I'm going to continue on, uh, continue on with classes. We move into clerkship rotations in another year. And then after that, I uh, applied a residency. Wow. Go from there. Amazing. Amazing. Erin, yeah. thank you so much for being here, sharing your insights and expertise. Um, we wish you all the best. How and where can our listeners connect with you? It's been great being here. Uh, you know, the best the best network is really LinkedIn for me. I uh, have not been as active on it as I used to be, but I am still very active on it. So um, just reach out, follow me on LinkedIn, and um, they can connect with, with me in that way. Very perfect. perfect. So it's great being here. Thank you, Erin. And of course, you can visit my website at gialacqua.com. Reach out to me on Instagram at gialacqua with thoughts, feedback, comments, and questions on this topic and what you'd like to hear about in future episodes. This is Gia signing off with gratitude for your time and energy. Our mic drops, but the movement continues. Until next time, your next chapter is waiting. Take care. That concludes another empowering episode of Your Future Starts Now. Before we wrap up, I want to thank this incredible community of high-achieving women. Your energy, resilience, and commitment to growth are the driving force behind what we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Your feedback fuels our mission to empower high-achieving women just like you. And of course, share your future starts now with the extraordinary women in your life who are also on a journey of healing and empowerment. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts, let us know what topics you'd like to explore in future episodes. Stay connected on Instagram at Gia Lacqua. I encourage you to carry the energy of this conversation into your day and keep on supporting the incredible women around you. Until next time, remember, your next chapter is waiting.